So, folks, uh, welcome to episode nine of Coast to Coast Outdoors. Uh, I'm your host, Jeff McNeil. And tonight, uh, as many of you folks would have seen, we have Gary Geddes. Uh, uh, we'll be discussing uh, muzzleloader hunting uh, and uh, what, uh, what are the pros, what are the cons, uh, as well as many other uh, muzzleloader tips, tricks, whatever uh, Gary has up his sleeve. So, so without further ado, I'm going to uh, bring on Gary. Welcome to the show, Gary. Hey, how you doing, Jeff? Uh, not bad. Uh, so, I, I I've known you for some time now, and uh, you've been uh, you've been very good. Had a bit of a hiccup with the live feed there. So, uh, welcome to Coast to Coast, episode nine. I uh, hope everybody had uh, has seen it. Uh, for some reason, we had a time lag there. Uh, yeah, so we have Gary Geddes here, uh, and we're going to be talking about uh, muzzle loaders, uh, tips and tricks, and the whole nine yards, eh, Gary? Well, I'll, uh, I'll give you whatever information I can. I'm sure not an expert, but I, uh, I try and make myself knowledgeable with that muzzle loaders. Well, that's that's what we need. Uh, you've been uh, how long have you been around the the muzzle loader hunting aspect? Well, probably uh, relatively new. I mean, it's only been since around 2014 for me. Um, uh, we have a Facebook muzzle loader Facebook page, and there's some guys that have uh, hunted with them for for many years. And uh, going back to just the old ball and wad, and uh, um, you know, so. Yeah, maybe about uh, five, six, six years, anyways. Uh, but it's something that I really, uh, really took off with me, and I really, uh, I really enjoy it. And uh, you, you mentioned the Facebook page there, and I'm going to bring that up here on uh, on our uh, video there. Just bear with me here. Move that. Uh, yeah. So uh, it's Nova Scotia muzzle loader hunting. Is that? Uh, Page yeah. I think, yeah, I think so. I might have to put my reading glasses on, but yeah, Nova Scotia muzzleloader hunting. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, anybody that wishes to join, I know it's a private group there uh, that you have, but uh, if anybody wishes to join, uh, I'm sure they'll be accepted in that. So if they got further questions after tonight's podcast, uh, if there's yourself and other knowledgeable folks uh, in the group there that may be able to aid them answering their questions, obviously. Well, yeah, Jeff, it's, it started off small. It still is relatively small, and I haven't tried to really promote it, but word of mouth, people hear about it, and uh, it's basically for people who either muzzleload or want to learn anything about muzzleloading and uh, who are actually fairly serious about it, and uh, it's, uh, we'll, uh, we'll accept pretty well anybody who's, who's serious. And uh, like I said, it's pretty small now, but uh, we're growing. I think there's two more requests again today. Um, yeah. So it, uh, it all takes time to grow, obviously, like coast to coast. Uh, didn't, didn't, well, we started out small, believe it or not. And it, uh, after a few podcasts, it, it, it grew pretty quick. So hopefully this gets you some new members, Gary, uh, as of uh, the podcast tonight, obviously, and uh, go from there. I know a lot of people have, uh, have viewed uh, the, the advertisement for having you on here tonight as well, so. So that's, uh, that's all huge and uh, whatnot. So I guess we can jump right into the, the grand scheme of things here. And 
I know I have a lot of uh, photos here of some of your hunts as well that we can touch on through there. So, uh, so uh, for uh, for the muzzle loader, uh, when did it? Uh, when did Nova Scotia add muzzle loaders to the hunting season, Gary? Boy, I think to the best of my knowledge, uh, I think 2013. Now, I could be corrected, but it was either 2012 or 2013. Um, and I didn't jump into it right away. I didn't discover it until a good friend of mine, my hunting buddy, told me about it. And um, so, yeah, it uh, it was actually when it started and still is, it was added to the uh, crossbow season. And uh, the other thing is that uh, DNR... Uh, Department of Lands and Forestry, but DNR at the time uh, decided that they had run through, a, I think it was a five-year trial program to see how it would work and make a decision after that whether or not they're going to continue with it. And uh, so it's been more than five years, and uh, I'm not sure if they're just going to do it year to year now. I haven't heard, um, but it's still continuing. It's really growing, um, you know, to uh, – to a lot of people's uh, satisfaction to other people they're probably not so happy about it but it's it is really taken off in, in nova scotia and you know what uh, some people as you know gary uh you've seen me attend some meetings and such uh over time and uh there was some backlash at first uh due in part to the muzzle loaders and that but there's a lot of misconceptions as well uh, uh, i guess uh long story short it was to my knowledge that uh, after the trial run uh, there was no issues that it would stick around so i think we're going to see this in nova scotia for many years moving forward uh, whether or not it's uh if it's moved or reclassified into a different season uh, that is yet to be determined but for the for the time being and status quo it's uh it's staying within the, the air tree season i believe yeah, as far as I know, um, I don't, uh, you know, I, I'm just assuming that it is. And, um, you know, I know there's still some people who, who don't like it where it's at right now. And uh, I think some of those concerns have been addressed by DNR. Um, maybe not fully to the satisfaction of everybody, but um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's in DNR or Department of Lands and Forestry's hands now. And uh, the other thing is, um, um, you know, not that this is a reason to keep it, but it, but I guess it is a reason to keep it in a way is that it's, it, it provides quite a, uh, quite a revenue stream right now in this province with, uh, with there's a lot of outfitters or uh, shops, hunting, fishing shops that are uh, really um, buying into the muzzleloader product and not only selling muzzleloaders, but all the gear that goes with it, the, uh, the bullets, uh, the ammo, you know, the powders. Um, and then, of course, Nova Scotia government gets their fingers in the pie too, and they they do pretty good off of it. So, and that a lot of uh, a lot of the license sales actually goes to General Coffer, so that could range from healthcare to road work to anything in between. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Portion uh, portion of license sales for the viewers that are from other provinces that uh, are viewing uh, go towards uh, five dollars and fifteen cents. Uh, one of our hunting license goes into the habitat fund as well that uh, goes towards conservation projects and research so so i, I know uh, there's been a, a discrepancy there gary with some people in different provinces don't have it believe it or not uh, with uh, with the muzzle loaders uh, in the season uh, like i know we, uh, we we had touched on that uh, about when it had started uh, 
I know there was uh, there were some misconceptions there with the black powder versus the pyrodex and the newer black, like you said, the the ball and the, the ball and the wide, obviously, versus the uh, I guess the the newer style. Yeah. Uh, some guys are going with traditions, uh, fifty cal muzzle motors that are more of the what's the word I'm looking for there? It's it, it's it's not ball and uh, wide anymore. It's uh, it's well the inline, I think. Is probably what you're talking about. The inline muscle loader um, yeah, is the more, primer. Yeah, it's a more modern one with the primer and the uh, either the uh, pellets like White Hots or Triple Seven or the Blackhorn, um, which is is definitely a, a, a more accurate weapon. Um, people people understand that. Um, uh, but just before I touch on that. Um, the other the positive or a couple of positive uh, things about muzzleloader hunting is that, um, in fact, one fellow who, who used to be uh, um, involved, I think he was a president one time of the uh, Federation, his shoulders are pretty well shot. He used to bow and crossbow hunt, and he muzzleloader hunts now. He just finds that it gives him, he's able to do it now instead of trying to use a bow because of his uh, limitations. And... Um, and, and somebody might say, well, he can take a rifle and go in general season. But, you know, as you get older, some of the older guys in their 70s and, uh, you know, maybe even younger than that. But um, they do enjoy the early season for getting out in the nicer weather. And it's, it's, uh, so, it's warmer, obviously, during that time. So it's easier on our people with arthritis and other ailments. Yeah, yeah bad, bad hips, um, bad, bad shoulders and everything. And uh, I, I know some may say that's not a reason, but... I know um, that seems to be, and when I talk to uh, some of the retailers who sell muzzleloaders, um, some of those people are the older folk that are given up, not because they don't like bow hunting or crossbow hunting, it's just, they just find it easier on their body. Um, the other big thing that we're seeing is youth are really starting to uh, buy into uh, and be interested in the muzzleloader. And part of the reason is, it gives them a longer period of time to do some hunting when they have the odd day off. You know, they go to, in high school, they go to school or university and they're tied up. Um, so this little bit extra time before general season gives them, gives them that little bit extra time to get out in the woods and, uh, and try and hunt for whatever deer. It's, um, I, I like that because the more and more youth that we get coming on, the better it's going to be because, um, it seems that hunting and, and the older folks is becoming more of a dying breed. And uh, we need more and more youth uh, taking up. We need a lot more youth uh, to uh, carry on the outdoor heritage, obviously, here. It's, uh, it's one of them situations exactly. where it's, uh, I don't want to say it's a dying breed, but uh, the age demographic for the most part, uh, we, we have fewer and fewer children picking up the, the, I guess the heritage, not so much a sport, but the heritage that uh, translates back as far as the fur trade days. So uh, it's uh, it's something there that a lot of people have uh, have knowledge of, and it's just trying to get the younger generations to uh, pick it up. And if you can get a, a young generation, uh, like what you're doing with the muzzle lovers, it's, uh, it, it's huge. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
And we've got some good groups out there that, you know, like uh, think of the uh, Hans West Wildlife Association, the, the turkey guys, uh, the women that hunt. Some of these groups out there are really doing their best to uh, to bring more and more, more youth in. And, uh, and and I don't know, I just find it's just another op more of an opportunity. And uh, you know, like I say, some may not agree with that, but uh, I think it's positive. Um, and dying breed, I mean the, the sport, not the people. The sport is becoming more and more of a dying breed because, you know, as you know, the youth are coming up and not a lot of them are that, that involved in hunting and fishing like, you know, years ago. The problem there is, and, and you know what, Gary, I learned this a long time ago, uh, just doing projects there with kids and that uh, there was some issues there where people say, oh, the problem is kids with their Xboxes or their gaming consoles or or heaven forbid these cell phones right uh, yeah uh, now the thing that i find with that is that that is accurate to an extent but uh, sometimes uh like we've had children there at uh, events and that that say hey guess what the the children uh like you got children come up and sometimes they say the darndest things they say well We'd like to get involved with hunting and that. Uh, what you guys did here showing us about uh, fur harvesting or, or target shooting a BB gun or a 22 for that matter. Uh, we'd like to get involved, but mommy's too busy on the computer doing work stuff and daddy's too busy on the gaming console. So it's almost like a role reversal here. Uh, we're, a lot of people are so quick to judge the kids, but uh, if the parents don't have the time to put in uh, it's not always the kids' fault that they can't get involved. And I'm not trying to put the blame on anybody, obviously. But uh, but uh, if, a, if a child, I find, is expressing interest, uh, mm -hmm. hey, it's uh, it, let, them, let, let them see if they like it or don't like it, obviously, and uh, go from there. Uh, there's many, like you said, groups around that uh, mentor children as well. And uh, they, uh, they're always willing to show them obviously, especially muzzle loaders or anything like that. So, so you, you give us a wealth of information there and groups that are, are, are doing mentoring, obviously, that could help uh, in, in those regards, Gary. Uh, I know here we've got a, a comment here, and uh, sorry there if uh, anybody had uh, seen me there playing with my phone there. Facebook had uh, alerted me there that some they're having a network issue there with uh, comments being displayed, but uh, it doesn't seem like we're having that issue here right now because uh, I'm just going to bring it up here now. Uh, I believe Roger has chimed in there. Uh, Roger Lewis, he's on uh, episode eight with Chad, gents. Uh, so, so viewers, you can comment. Uh, feel free to ask questions uh, to either myself or Gary, and we'll try to answer them as we uh, move along, obviously. So, Gary, when uh, when Nova Scotia did add the muzzle loaders, uh, what was the reaction from a majority of the hunters in the province? Uh, did, did this new added uh, weapon uh, for fur harvesting in the province? What uh, what what did you take from that uh, when it was added? The reaction from hunters in the province. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know. That's a good question. I can't be a judge of what the hunters in Nova Scotia really thought, uh, other than that every year since 2013, it's it's been growing. Um, I know that there has been a couple, it's uh, no secret, a couple of groups who who have not wanted the muzzleloader in the season that's in now with the, with the crossbows. 
Um, I talked to the crossbow people, the association, a couple of three years back, and they were fully on board. They they supported it. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I don't believe there's a crossbow association anymore. Um, that's now defunct as far as I know. But uh, I, I think the reason I know why is I've got a crossbow and I, I couldn't join because you can't. Uh, it doesn't seem like the organization is there. But a few years ago it was, and they uh, – um, I talked to them and they had no issue, but, um, but as far as general hunters, well, I, I can't really answer that other than I talk to vendors out there and, uh, I look at the stats and, and it's a really, it's, it's, it's a large growing segment of the, uh, of the uh, hunting system around here. Now, um, you'll see, you'll go down to different places and look at their inventory and, you know, at one time they used to have to order them in. Now you can look at the shelf and you can see uh, different brands and uh, different models of those brands and the ammo and the supplies that go with it. They carry quite a bit. Um, unfortunately, because of the pandemic now, I think a lot of them are getting caught with inventory right now. But um, hopefully that changes. I guess, yeah, in a roundabout way, I don't really know other than that uh, – you know, from talking to vendors and, and talking and looking at stats, it's it's quite a growing uh, it's it's a growing uh, way to hunt, and uh, but there has been opposition. I think there probably still is some opposition um, to have that muzzleloader in the in the season it's in now. So uh, I mean, the only thing we can do is try and uh, try the best answer. I mean. I did talk to DNR, and actually they put out a, a report back in 2017 that said three to six percent of the deer that now this is their facts, the figures, three to three to six percent of the deer taken in the early seasons with the muzzleloader. Mm -hmm. Now, I think other people have said there's uh, their total figures around 20 or 22, 23 percent taken with the muzzleloader. So, doesn't take a genius to figure out that it's being taken in the general season. So, you know, uh, if people, you know, and if they still do really have a problem possibly with the muzzleloader, uh, maybe they might want to look at part of the general season, no muzzleloader. Um, maybe the whole season, I, that's not for me to say. Mm -hmm. um, because if that's where the abuse, so-called abuse, and you know what, I'm not going to lie. I think there is abuse in the general season. Um, I don't know for sure. I don't know somebody, but it just makes sense. And I've heard. Yeah, um, that's, that's, and what, uh, I won't uh, elaborate in too much detail on uh, that aspect, but uh, the abuse would be the fact that there was two tags issued. And I know that, uh, yeah. that has come up there, uh, that muzzle loaders uh, harvest a lot more deer than uh, any other, like uh, archery or crossbow or whatnot. But, but the numbers, the last time I've seen the numbers through that, at that time, it would have been then DNR. Uh, it was like 404 deer harvested in, in a season due to muzzleloaders. So so the numbers were debunked at that point in time because uh, I know resolutions were coming there saying, oh, no, they're taking too many deer. But that seems to be the way it rolls with every new uh, opportunity to hunt that comes forward, obviously. And uh, it point blank the the internal fighting over what weapon is what what should be in what season uh sit back and enjoy because we're fortunate in this province to, to have like crossbow and muzzle loaders uh 
some jurisdictions don't have that opportunity, unfortunately. No, and I think your figure of 400 and some odd, I think, Jeff, is probably the ones that were taken in early season because I know that the figure is higher over a period of the whole season. Um, and, and I just, I almost forgot about this, but I was, I went, I attended two of the AGMs at the Federation back in 16 and 17, I think it was. And, and the first year I was there, guy got up, this guy got up a speaker and started to talk. And I didn't know who he was other than he said he was a resourceful redneck. And it ended up being uh, Mike Holland, who's now the, the minister of uh, whatever resources in New Brunswick, or I don't know what the full title is, but um, natural, natural resources and energy development. Yeah, he he got up and he spoke at the uh, to the to the group there over lunch, and I was just the whole time my eyes I was just spellbound. I I never heard a guy speak the way he did, and his whole. His whole premise basically was we have enough people on the outside trying to um, take a chunk of our of our season away, of our hunting heritage away. We don't need to have pockets within us. Now, there's that's not to say we shouldn't have disagreements and sit down and talk about it. But uh, he was it was an excellent. I wish I could probably get a copy of that sometime. Um, it was a great it was a great talk. And now I found out who he was. I didn't know who he was. He, this guy gets and speaks and, uh, you know. Anyways, sorry. Well, I, uh, you know what? I, I remember that like it was yesterday. It was pretty vivid. And uh, he had everybody standing on the, the, the edge of their seats uh, with that yeah. speech. And uh, it opened up a lot of eyes. And uh, you know what? It's, uh, uh, it's, it's great to see the position he's in uh, in New Brunswick, to be quite honest, and uh, how far he's brought them along in New Brunswick. Uh, I know many other jurisdictions and provinces are uh, – are, are just wishing they had a minister in uh, in their ministry for uh, like him. But uh, anyway, uh, unless you can get uh, uh, a resourceful uh, hunting individual in, out there, it's it's to the point there where we're we're going to hit these hurdles no matter what we do or try. Uh, yeah. uh, it seems like here in Nova Scotia, we got people at the helm that uh, have never. Uh, uh, I'll use the analogy of never run a ship before. So that's that. That's what we're at. We've got a lot of them that are running the show that may not have actually hunted a day in their life. But uh, uh, my personal opinion is that you need boots on the ground in order to get things to move forward uh, in in offices, and uh, that's that. That seems to be the downfall for some things here because we let so much Gary uh, for new monies into this province go out the door. Uh, to other provinces and jurisdictions just because we're we're behind the times unfortunately and uh, we, like uh the few things we did get right we got muzzle loader and we got uh we've got uh crossbow obviously but uh there, there, the opportunity to ex expand is there but as you referenced there based on mike's comments where we had a lot of uh outsides uh, individuals there that are trying to hurdle the hunting heritage, which is unfortunate. And we we got to do everything we can to uh, to move things along as we can. Uh, how we do yeah. it? Uh, it's it's work and collaboration, I guess. I, I must admit, for the first couple of years, I was pretty defensive over this, and uh, and I learned pretty quick that uh, I had to get that out of my head because it wouldn't doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong. Um, you can only present what you have, and uh, 
I'm sure I'm wrong many, many times, and uh, like most people. But now my attitude is, is I try and be as positive I can, as I can, um, try and promote any kind of hunting. And, uh, uh, you know, especially I, I really like what some of the groups are doing with the youth. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it, I'm over that defensive mode where I try to defend something. Doesn't seem to work well that way. But no. uh, anyway, sorry, but you just asked, uh, you asked a question earlier if, um, about the, um, about the muzzle loaders and, and the ammo and that. Do you, do you want me to answer that or do it later as far as what yeah. the are? Uh, no, that was leading into the next uh, the next one here that I brought up on the screen. Actually, Gary, uh, I'm just seeing here if it's popping up here, obviously. And uh, what types of uh, muzzies, powder, bullets uh, do hunters use in the, the muzzle loaders? Uh, well, there's uh, it's be good to have a real good knowledgeable vendor here now. But I, you know, I try and do a lot of research myself too, and uh, so I'm hoping that I don't say anything that's not accurate. But but you, you do have some options out there. The, the number one option people are going to now, instead of the old ball and, uh, and the wad, they, they are definitely going to the inline muzzleloader, which is more accurate. Um, people talk about reaching out to 200 yards and shooting deer. I, I, don't, I don't travel in any circles with anybody who does that. Most people I know and the people I communicate even with on the, uh, on the Facebook site, you're you're reaching out 50 or 60 yards and uh, uh i mean the number of reasons why because your your primer is going to be kept dry gets a little damp you're just going to get a poof um you've got to make sure if you're using blackhorn 209 that you're using the right type of primer and you're using the right type of bullet and you're consistent so if you're sighted in in it, it's a very fussy weapon even in line one so if you're sighting it in at a range, whatever you're using, you should try and use that while you're hunting. Because just to change from a 145, or, or sorry, 245 grain to a 295 or 300 is going to make a bit of a difference. And uh, and if you use a, uh, there's uh, white hots, the pellets. Most people use pellets from what I understand. Um, or uh, the other kind is the Hodgkin's triple uh, seven. And usually two pellets are 50, 50 grain each. And I... I did have, I don't know, I've got the old, uh, the Hodgkin one here, the triple seven. I don't have any of the white hots. I don't know if I can show. I mean, I just got a little pipe cleaner. So two of those go in and, uh, and then you seat your bullet down in on top of this. And I've, I soon switched after a year from these to uh, Blackhorn 209, the powder. Um, I find it's, it's, uh, it, a heck of a lot better after you uh, want to shoot a few rounds. You don't have near the cleaning that you have to do with uh, these or the white hots. Now the white hots are exactly the same size; they're just white. Uh, there's some people prefer the white hots over the triple uh, seven. Now, uh, now the triple seven, Gary. Now I'm going to throw something out here, and some viewers are probably going to give me some flack for it. I know when uh, when I first get into the muzzle loaders uh, way back in the day. We were at the, the provincial range there, and I, my buddies that were with me were, like, astonished. They were like, that's a 50 cal, right? But neither one of us knew exactly how many pellets to put in. Right. Or, and, and I'm using triple seven, obviously. And right. Anyway, I'll tell you, uh, you shoot 100 yards with it. That's with the scope and 
whatnot dialed in was was nothing but uh, I learned a valuable lesson and I don't encourage anybody to try that but uh, I had three triple seven pellets in yeah and I'm telling you I thought it was going to tear the shoulder right off me yeah it uh and then I realized after the fact that we shouldn't have put three uh three fire that are triple seven pellets in it obviously and it's uh it shoots just as accurate with the two <laughs> probably probably more accurate with the two than the three which you got 100 150 grain with the three yeah and uh yeah you're right and that's uh uh it would uh it, you would feel it and uh, most pretty well everybody i know who deer hunts with the those uh triple seven or the white hots use two of them for the year um but there's and then you've got then you get all kinds of variation of uh of bullets i mean i i use the uh um the sabos which is just like a crush rib i got one here it's a just a crushed rib one, and you set the uh, seat the. Uh, uh, I got the Horner Hornady uh, um, hollow point. You just set that in. I just find that it's uh, with my with my rifle um, and with the Blackhorn and and the uh, primer that I use that this seems to uh, give me the best accuracy now you can go online some people will swear by these you go online somebody else will swear by other ones i've got uh, there's other types that are um i got friends these burn out of curiosity so. if you could just bring it a little closer to the camera for the viewers to see their the difference uh, uh well uh, now now these are full copper jacket or they lead copper they're copper yeah, they're lead. They're lead in there, yeah. But you can get the copper ones. Uh, Barnes has copper. Now that's the. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Now there, there I am. There we go. So that's. Uh, I got to get used to this screen. So there's the actual bullet I use, and this is a saddle, and you know it just goes, it sets in there. So you, you can buy them separate. I buy them in bulk sometime, and it's cheaper. And uh, and then there's these ones. Uh, the, the Barnes, but uh, I'll tell you the guy, and I don't know if he's listening here or not. But the the guy, and I'll give him a shout out. Um, and I'll, I don't know how many people might know him. This uh, BGA Nicholson um, from Sackville, he's uh, he's the expert when it comes to bullets. He uh, he buys hordes of them. He does a lot of an awful lot of target practicing, and he tries different grains and different. Uh, everything you can think of when it comes to the ammo for, uh, for the uh, muzzleloaders. And uh, I've learned, I've learned a lot from him um, just from his use of them. So uh, the, uh, this, this is what I use here. So this is the, the powder. So I measure this out of my uh, a big jar and this is the black corn. And I, I usually run about 90 grains in here and uh, uh, some people run a hundred. Well, two of those, uh, two of these triple uh, sevens. Uh, there it is. Uh, make there we go. Make a make a hundred. But I usually run about ninety, sometimes eighty here because it, it seems to work well for me. Um, so you know, there's all kinds of options, and, and it's just a learning experience all the time. Um, and and again, uh, you hear the old. The old adage, keep your powder dry. It's so it's so true. And uh, 
with muzzleloaders. They're so finicky, and uh, even the inline ones. So, uh, and it's it's true. Uh, I've seen when it gets wet, it uh, it doesn't function the way it should, obviously. And uh, it's, yeah, it's kind of a thing. A lot of people ask Gary about uh, discharge, like uh, they're leaving the woods, and this is a question there that I've always had, but I've always just fired the, the round into a tree or whatever, right? That's been close at the base of the tree, obviously, to uh, to clear it out because I don't like the the removal aspect. A lot of guys are nervous around the removal of other their bullet, obviously. Although the primer is out, some guys still find it a little, I guess, intimidating, uh, to say the least, with the removal of uh, the sabot uh, and the. Uh, the bullet obviously when it's uh when it's in there because uh, they got the powder in there and it just i, I don't know the the older crowd seems to be more nervous than anybody around that stuff and yeah. right, rightfully so they're they're exercising extreme passion i guess uh any any tips or tricks on uh what they should do there well as far as removal i guess it all depends on the models now i've got a cva um, and i upgrade her from the wolf which is just the black barrel and and my advice is if you're going to buy a cva there's the uh, the optima and the acura then even though the wolf is the entry level one uh, try and find a few hundred dollars more and go up to the optima or the or the acura because you're not going to have the issues you will with the uh, the barrel of the wolf. It just it can corrode much easier. It won't if you take a really good care of it, but it's not like a barrel of the, you know, your thirty odd six or something. Um, it really uh, the humidity and everything really really affects it. So, but I can talk about the CVAs. I mean, they have the removable breech plug. So, uh, at the end of the day, you can take. You can take the primer out, and then it's it's not you're not able to fire it. But if you want to, uh, and and if my my theory is or thinking is, if it's really damp and really wet, and you think you might have got something wet uh, in your barrel, then then take out your powder or your white hots and your bullet. And uh, it's, it's with the CVA, it's as simple as just breaking it open. And uh, once you've got the uh, breech plug out, you take the push rod and you push it right down from the top from the muzzle right down through and out comes your pellets mm -hmm. and your and your bullet so you don't have to shoot it up and uh, gotcha. so so i mean the older style i think yeah you're you might and i'm not sure others who have more knowledge on the older styles um you might have had to try and fire it out i'm not sure but uh the i know it's fairly straightforward with the uh, the cvas now, there's also the Thompson Center Traditions, um, Savage. There's different models, and I'm sure they, they all have their pluses and minuses. It's like anything. You'll go online, and, and some report will say the Knight's the best muzzleloader out there. Then another will say the CVA Acura is. And, you know, it just depends on, you know, they're all good, and it depends on, you know, what you get used to but i just want to show one more little quick thing and especially for the cva it's very important to clean out i find the, uh, the firing channel um uh, from time to time because it'll if you take a shot it, it can get a little bit clogged up with uh, powder and or, res or residue and i just went and bought a, a 
a little package of these torch tips, uh, tip cleaners for torches. Okay. They're Princess Auto, and I don't. You just see those, and you can find the right size diameter one, and it goes right in into the uh, firing channel, and you can clean it right out. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. So it's uh, uh, anybody who has a CVA, it's uh, I think you should do that from time to time. You can look up through the. Uh, look up through the plug and you can see whether or not there's any anything in there and then once you run once you run this through you can see all kinds of daylight so Perfect. anyway it's just a little tip but that helpful for for myself and many others that are that own muzzleloaders obviously uh, yeah so uh let's see here uh while we were talking there at, uh, and you were showing the the rounds for the, the muzzy I, I realized i had a photo there gary of uh of ones that have been spent with the lead in that and uh, ones that are copper and whatnot. I know that's a, that's a debate there for another day, obviously, but myself, my personal preference is the copper, obviously. And everybody's got a personal preference, obviously, with a lot of different things. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to, to mention that because I will, when we bring up the photos, I will bring up uh, that photo, obviously, and just uh, put it out there for people to see. I'm going to recap here, Gary, just on uh, the fact there that you do have uh, a Facebook page, uh, uh, Nova Scotia Muzzle Loader Hunters. Uh, it's on Facebook. Uh, it is a private group, but uh, anybody that is welcome to join and send a request yeah. to join. Uh, so check them out. Uh, wealth of information there for those interested. Uh, uh, Next question we've got here is... Uh, yeah, just one quick thing on that, Jeff. Even though we don't have a real large group, there have been people who have been a little bit uh, confused or really needing some more information on a type of a, a type of a bullet or a powder or whatever, and they'll throw that on the, the, that Facebook, Facebook group site, and there's, uh, there's at least one or two guys that, when it comes to the ammo and the types of ammo to use and everything else, that really... Definitely have a lot more knowledge on that than I have, and they and they'll just throw out some good information. So, it, it, the main reason that's created is just it's an information site for sharing information. It's for asking questions, and it's for sharing uh, photos or any pictures that are you know of good taste. So, yeah, no, that's uh, that's great, and I'm sure uh, many uh, many people that are interested in muzzle loaders will check it out. Obviously, uh, next question here. Do most Nova Scotia hunting vendors carry muzzle loaders and ammunition for said uh, said weapon? Yeah, I I find that most of them do now, and my only gauge on that is that uh, other than just last uh, last March when that outdoor uh, show got canceled, um, any other one that uh, I've been to, and I've been to all of them for the last number of years. Um, You've seen the progression of the uh, different vendors that come to the show um, that are carrying more and more muzzleloader options. And um, now there are other ones that don't even come to the show that that, that carry muzzleloaders uh, options too. And uh, uh, some have got out of it. Now I think I don't think Cabela's were there this year, maybe last year, but they carry muzzleloaders. They carry they carry uh, uh, supplies too. Uh, Nanchucks. Um, uh, young guns in Porter's Lake. Um, I I buy personally, and it's not an advertising form, but I buy all my supplies basically at Young Guns because I've priced out his stuff compared to other places, 
and uh, and and the inventory out th down there is just second to none. Now, that's of the places that I've been to. Now, I haven't mm -hmm. been to some places, maybe up in Leaves and Lins and in, in Antigonish, um, some places maybe down the South Shore, but. Well, uh, leaves and limbs is pretty good. Uh, if he doesn't have it, he'll get it within a day or two. Right. So, yeah. But, uh, it's, uh, I know here in uh, outside of leaves and limbs area, obviously, uh, you've got uh, the Waikagama Home Hardware. Uh, they, they, what they don't have, they'll get within a day. Right. And for the most part, uh, we've got like Chris King, and then we've got a few other small little guys there. Uh, there's one in Inganish there, but you've got a call ahead, and I'm not sure what his inventory is like anymore and, and whatnot. The deck, there's another spot in the deck. Uh, but, but for the most part, uh, the, the, like we can't get any muzzleloader stuff at Walmart Canada uh, in, uh, in Cape Breton. Uh, Canadian Tires recently just started bringing in stuff. But again, they're so limited on stuff. Like, geez, they just for uh, Sabos, they ask for a pal card. <laughs> which, yeah. yeah. Which, which mind blows me. And whatnot. Yeah. Uh, even for the, the Pyro or the 777 pellets, right? Uh, uh, they ask for, uh, for that. And it's uh, it, it kind of, it, it's, it's amusing. Uh, but you know what? Hey, we... It's there, not waste. It's a waste of time to argue over stuff like that. But, uh, but, but, but they are slowly bringing uh, in more inventory. But it's not near as uh, as big as uh, Cabela's, obviously, for inventory where you can pick and choose. Well, I even find now most Cabela's may be uh, quite different. In fact, I know I've been down to different Cabela's in the states, but the one here, you've got a basically they've got to order stuff for you they don't have like i've been in there looking for the blackhorn 209 and, and maybe it's just the time i was in and i was looking around and, and i haven't seen a lot but i think that's with a lot of suppliers now maybe they're not carrying it um but the thing i look to more than anything jeff is not whether or not i can get the inventory there or not that is important but if you take canadian tire in some of those places you don't get the knowledge you know, you, it's no slight on them that you've, you've got part-time employees working there and they don't understand what a, you know, uh, the difference is between some of these different options of ammo and uh, what maybe a triple seven compared to White Hots are. So, um, you know, you pay for knowledge too. That's the, that's, that's, that's a fact. Yeah. Yeah, so so I guess we kind of touched on the, the hunting vendors. Uh, uh, some spots, like you said, it's easier than others to get stuff. Uh, obviously, uh, I'm not sure how it is down in Yarmouth County way. Uh, so sure for, for ammo down that way. I'm sure they gotta pretty much come more centralized. Uh, I'm not 100% familiar with that area to to be knowledgeable enough to, to know. But uh, but hopefully they they too got uh, access to vendors down there that can. Uh, supply them uh question gary uh next on the question list if you got unless you got anything else you want to add to that obviously no no i'm good i i think that it's you're right it's not like it was maybe four or five years ago people offenders were pretty leery as to whether or not to bring much inventory in um, but i think pretty well you know i think probably most places out there um that supply anything to do with firearms and ammo would carry carry muzzy supplies. 
and and, right, and the muzzy rifles. I, uh, I see here we've got a, a viewer. We got Roger Lewis here. What kind of hundred yard group can you expect with a lower to mid level muzzy? Uh, well, a lower a lower to mid level muzzy. You can probably depending on it, it all depends a lot on on the ammo and the and the powder or the uh, the white hots. Uh, the, I guess what I'm looking for is pellets or the powder along with the ammo you use in all combination. Um, a lower end or a mid-size, mid-grade cost of a muzzy could get you pretty well the same kind of grouping as an expensive one. So, for instance, the Wolf, which is a very low-end CVA, well, should be able to pretty well get you the same kind of grouping as the Acura. The only thing is, is that, like I say, it's it's not a really good quality um, muzzleloader when it comes. It, you've got to take a look. It's good quality, but you've really got to take care of it. And you've got to make sure you it's well oiled, the barrel, the inside. you got butter on it where you need to when you've got the uh, anti-siege um, lubricant and everything on the breech plugs. Uh, more so than if you've got a Acura, which is all pretty well the Baroga barrel, which is a real top of the line one. But you're, uh, you can get, uh, if if you're sighting it in for 100 yards, and if you use uh, consistently and get used to a certain primer and uh, a pellet or powder or, or a bullet, you could probably, uh, you could probably get, uh, you know, uh, consistently, um, or you could probably—I would—I don't know—you could probably get four-inch groups, three-inch groups. I mean, you can—you can get it even tighter. Um, it all depends on what you're using for rest and everything else. Uh, so you can—you can get it pretty tight. Um, so there's no doubt that it'll reach out to 100 yards. And uh, that—but the thing is—is is even though you get it pretty tight, some people say that I've heard a guy and I, I challenged them who said that he used to shoot out in Saskatchewan a muzzleloader at 220 yards and get and got four-inch groups without a scope. Well, right away, I pictured a football yeah. field and how far two football fields were without a scope, and forget the fact that it's a muzzleloader at any kind of rifle. And I know if you've got it sighted in for 100 yards, what that next 100 yards with a muzzy bullet, how far it will drop. And uh, I just find that hard to believe. Now, maybe he's he's a sharpshooter. I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that. But, you know. I, w I would have to see firsthand that in order to believe it, to be quite frank. Well, I'd have to see it. I would I would buy the person. A, I don't know what I'd buy him. A, you know, I wouldn't buy him a drink because I wouldn't know what kind of drink to buy him. But I'd definitely buy him a coffee. But uh, um, you never say never. But, uh, boy, I'll tell you, it's. Uh, they're pretty finicky. You've got to make, and oh yes, yeah, so I asked what well, what kind of ammo were you using? Were you using white hots or powder? He said, I don't remember. Well, most people who are even bow hunters who are serious about it, and they're trying to get certain groupings, they I think they know what kind of arrowhead and arrows are using, and I know what kind of special bullet I'm using when I'm sighting in my seven millimeter Remington mag mm -hmm. moose hunting. But uh, getting back to Roger's question, yeah, you can you can expect a pretty good group within 100 yards. Um, again, I don't shoot out to 100 yards. Um, I, I always sight mine in 50 to 60 yards. That's it. Um, no further, because that's where that's where I hunt. 
And uh, most people I know, my buddy I hunt with and others I've talked to, I won't mention other any other names uh, right now, but I do know of some that that uh, shoot about the same 50, 60 yards out. Um, you know, 100, 100, you could do it. But uh, there's, there's, there could be some complications. And then the other thing, if you're shooting at a deer at 100 yards, uh, you better make sure you hit it good and clean in the vital. Because it's not like you're going to just throw another bullet up into the chamber with it, like a lever action or bolt action or whatever. Um, it's going to take you, you know, that thing's going to be wounded if it's wounded. And, you know, I, I, personally, I don't recommend shooting out that far. I know people have said, well, you know, you're crazy. I can hit hit it out to 100 yards. Well, good. I just don't recommend it. Just because if you do just wound it, it's going to take you a while to uh, track it. To get another, yeah, by the time you get the white hots in or the powder and the bullet and you ram it in and you, you know, and then, you know. If you're not using just a rifle where it's just pull the, pull the bolt back or pull the trigger because it's the same no. in the next, right? So, no. So there's there's work involved there and. Uh, it's time, time involved, it's, yeah. It, it, it's time uh, and uh, time is normally of the essence, obviously, when you're, uh, when you're hunting and harvesting. So, uh I guess when it comes to that, uh, be ethical and uh, make your first shot count like normal. Uh, that, yeah. would, uh, that would be the hindsight of that, I guess. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Just uh, trying to look here. Uh, here with me. I know I had another question here. Uh, unless Roger has any others. Uh, I know we touched on that. The, the mentoring and that, and you mentioned a number of organizations that do that in the province here, obviously. Uh, 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 I'll ask this question before we move on to the photos and get some stories uh, here. Yeah. Uh, how has the COVID affected uh, your plans for hunting thus far? Or, or fishing, for that matter. Sorry, I didn't catch the question, Jeff. Uh, how, how has the COVID-19 affected the, like your... Uh, anticipated uh hunts for the fall or oh. heard anything on that or no i know as much as anybody probably knows as far as what's going to happen this fall um the um it, it's it's all up in the air again of course um i i guess i, I mean i i use this word because i think i've used it to you instead of using the words i'd like to use it's probably not politically correct i call them slow adults you know if if if, if if we didn't have so many slow adults and we just learned to uh, to take this right, this whole thing that's going on now with this virus, then we'll be back into hunting, no problem. And, uh, and I just, you know, and it looks like things are, boy, I don't want to be too optimistic, but I'm getting optimistic here in Nova Scotia. Things are going better. Newfoundland's looking good. PEI, New Brunswick. Um, if we could just close the border from Quebec over, we may be fine, but um yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen there? I'm, I'm, I'm hoping because I have a moose trip planned for Newfoundland this year, and uh, I finally got one during a week of the rut, which I'm pretty excited about. And uh, since since we're touching on uh, Newfoundland and hunts and that, uh, I know you're an avid uh, moose hunter over in Newfoundland. Uh, you go. I know uh, when uh, when we did one podcast there, I think it was uh, with. Uh, with Barry Fordhand in Newfoundland or, or Mike Holland. Uh, if one of them uh, 
podcast there where you chimed in and said you're spending your uh, your son's inheritance, I guess. Uh, I yeah. Know, to the moose hunts, so. But uh, yeah. I'll bring up some photos there, uh, Gary, and we can touch on them a bit. Uh, uh, obviously, here's you with uh, one of your uh, whitetail deer. What's the story yeah. behind that? Well, you, you said you wanted a few pictures. The only reason I threw that picture in is uh, that was uh, that was a few years ago, three or four years ago, and uh, it was November 9th. I remember because I just I'd had a late moose hunt over in Newfoundland. I came back and and uh, early in the morning, uh, this uh, eight point guy walked out, and I had my 300 lever action then. Um, because I'd put away my muzzy after I came back and I said, I'm not going to get all the gear out and the powders. And so I grabbed the 300 and, uh, and uh, I managed to, uh, just before he looked at me, I was back in behind me. There's an old trail going into the woods. I don't hunt the field at all. And uh, I'm back, I was back in the woods and he walked out and I guess he's about 60, 70 yards away and, and I got him. But I guess the reason I showed him is, um, I actually dragged them out of the woods uh, down the, the trail back up in that top of that field. And there's a couple other fields down below me. And, uh, and it was fairly dry. So I, I did something stupid and I drove my truck along the lower fields, which were fine. But I had to go through another swale of woods, an old trail, to get to this, to get to this little field. And um, so I got up there with my truck, uh, managed to get there. And this guy, I don't, I don't understand these guys who say they can just grab any deer and throw it in their shoulders and away they go because uh, um, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> well, after I had him gut it, and uh, I, I, um, I, uh, this, um, he's on the back of the truck there now, but just ahead of that, there's a burn and it runs all up along the top to the to the uh, tree line, mm -hmm. and it's a hill. And I said, man, that's perfect. I'll drive the truck up over the top of the burn and uh and then when i come down the other side the tailgate will be level and i thought perfect so what i so i did it but when i get up to the top uh, this crazy dodge ram i had they've got anybody who have them they, they have these um the side steps of the, the long ones and they're they, they hang down lower than the uh than the body of the truck and didn't they get hung up on this burn I couldn't go forward or backwards. I couldn't go anywhere. And uh, I tried digging under. There's no way. It was it was stuck there solid. And uh, anyways, uh, I, I guess I'm poking fun at myself here, too, that I was, <laughs> in hindsight, it was stupid to do. But I called my buddy, and uh, he came out and went down and got the tractor out of the, uh, the, uh, the building down below and came up with the tractor. And he had a good laugh, and he, he took a picture of me with it. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, I kind of wish I'd got that mounted, but um, you know, it's a nice. Uh, and for November 9th buck, that was one of the better tasting ones too. So. Oh, geez, it's a it's a nice one. Uh, if you ever need any taxidermists, uh, let me know. I've got uh, two or three good ones there that that are always uh, up to the task. Uh, yeah. We've uh, here's one here with your uh, your moose, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple of pictures there. There's that one, and then there's uh, there should be another one of that. But that's a bull moose. That was the nicest bull moose that I shot. Um, and again, I, you know, you, 
I guess you're into the hunt so much you get back, you don't even think, and I never even thought of getting, I did bring the, uh, the antlers back, but um, I should have got it mounted. Yeah, they put it in a big, uh, one of those uh, big plastic bins and it goes on the back of an Argo and out you go with it. But um, that was a beautiful moose. It was a dark moose too. And uh, the thing about that one though, um, and that was about three years ago, maybe four years ago, uh, it was a Sunday, and this guy I'd never met before was going to be my guide. We are in Area 11, so anybody who knows about Area 11, we're way back in Area 11 on a little camp by on a pond, and this, this guy I'd never met before was going to be my guide, and it was just sometime in the afternoon. And uh, he said, are you bored? And I said, yep. He said, so am I. Let's go scouting around. So we went, walked up the road a couple miles, and just ready to turn around, you looked way up on the side of a, well, I call it a mountain, but it's a big hill. And uh, looked up, he said, I think there's a couple moose up there. So we put the glasses on and two, two big ones. There was a big bull and a cow. He said, we're going to come back tomorrow morning and get those or get the, get one. And I said, really? Yep. So they got up in the morning and we uh, we started walking back there. And uh, we uh, the thing about this guy, he's, he's about 51, little guy, a little short. And, uh, and he smoked like crazy. He put a cigarette and he had another one. And, uh, but he was like a jackrabbit. I couldn't believe it. I'm in pretty good shape. And I'm, I'm falling down through this, well, mountain again, down the hill and around a corner. And you look to the right and there's a big pond in there in the marsh. And you're coming up the other side. And go, I'm going like this. And I've got my heavy, heavy boots on. My boots. And uh, so finally, anyways, we get, I don't know, it might have been about a, uh, we might have been walking for 15 or 20 minutes in, in amongst this this hill and all of a sudden he stopped he put his hand up and he pointed over to the right and i looked and here was that bull and he was uh, we found it later he was 135 yards away and i uh, so but i couldn't get a shot at him so he said you gotta wait and it's funny this guy wasn't out of breath he was in great shape and i'm like this i'm i put he said get your rifle up and i didn't have a shooting stick and i had my arms up and they were just shaking i'm going <gasps> and i just i couldn't even breath or so beat so finally after a bit um it turned enough that i could get a shot at it and uh but it it, it taught me a big lesson that hunt that's why i put that guy in there is don't underestimate some of those guides over there as far as uh, the shape they're in this guy was uh he's incredible so oh, that's that's a, i find it amusing because sometimes it's like don't judge the book by the cover right and uh it's that's that's how it is with some guides it's you can uh it, it's surprising how quick they can put you on a moose if you get a good enough guide yeah yeah but uh but that is a nice moose is that taken gary by muzzleloader or right no no i i was going to take my muzzleloader over two years ago and and i didn't the guy there said that i've went to about four or five different camps a couple of them have been to it a couple times anyways and this new camp, the guy said, you're looking at sometimes 300-yard shots. So I had sighted my rifle in. I was I, I was perfect at 300 yards. I just, I think it was, uh, I forget what it was, based on my uh, 162 grain bullet I had, I was fine for 300, dead center. And uh, so sure enough, when I, when I did get the shoot at that place, it was about 315 yards away. So I wasn't going to take the muzzy. Although this year, I really think I might because, again, I'm going during the rut, which they tell me is 
you got a lot better chance of getting a, a close shot at a moose, maybe. I don't know. Okay, interesting. Uh, let's see here. We've got uh, we've, actually we've got this one here, which shows a lot of what we talked about earlier, Gary, and uh, in a better pretense uh, actually than uh, what we had done there. So uh, I see we've got uh, the cleaning solvents. Obviously, I'll just touch on this because uh, I should have actually brought it up while we were uh, discussing yeah. it. Obviously, but uh, everything you were talking about there, the two hundred nine primers, the black powder, the scorpions yeah. uh as you can see there that's that comes with the uh, sabos and yeah. everything as a kit uh, the cleaning all that is kind of what you would need uh or not kind of that is what you would need for uh for, for muzzle loader hunting i threw this one here up i know you sent it uh has nothing to do with the topic, but uh, I thought it was a nice looking striped bass, so I figured we'd include that and show how much of an avid outdoorsman you are. Uh, yeah, just a, a just a two a two minute thing on that. I, I that's first and only striper I caught, and uh, I didn't know anything about stripers. And I had twelve pound test line, and I went up and I hooked into this guy. I got him, and and I, nowhere to lie. It took me almost half an hour to bring him in. I'm running all up and down the river bank trying to play him out and uh, everybody's there's got like 25 pound or more test line i'm thinking you know and now i know why i i've definitely got larger line now and uh, it took about a half an hour and fine everybody was really good they kept moving back and i'm running up and down up and down until uh, finally some young fellow came along with a large net i got him close enough he got him in wow but, beautiful uh, yeah i guess you're using the braid line now are you, are you still using braid? yeah i am yeah, I am. I'm using that now. I'm not going to get into this 12-pound running up and down the riverbank business. <laughs> uh, that was off the first moose we see, I guess. Is it that was that was off that. Yeah, that's a 15-point bull. That one, yeah, yeah. What a rack that is. Eh? It would have made a beautiful mount. It would have. But uh, next one, uh, I'm hoping if I get a, you know, if I get a decent one this year, I'll definitely. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely uh, get it. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely get the uh, taxidermist to do it up. Yeah, we've got this one here. This one here looks to be a cow moose from uh, from judging. I, I like how it's uh, it looks like it's sitting up and just out for a joy ride in the, the Argo, obviously. But uh, again, I'm assuming that was a rifle hunt, not a muzzy. No, 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 that's a rifle hunt. I haven't done the muzzy yet. I'm going to do it okay. to this year, but. Yeah, no, this guy, I actually saw him on the edge of the woods, and I hit him over the head with a bat, and he got in. No, just joking. He, uh, you know, she she sat up there real nice, but uh, this is one where we, area, close area 11, area 8, and uh, we spotted this one a couple of miles away, and we didn't know what it was is that far away. There's two of them, and when we got to about, we got closer, we could tell it was a big cow, and there's another cow, and the guy said, what do you want to do? And I said, he said, it's a big cow. I said, okay, let's see what we can do. And then and then we got to a 1,000 yards away, and she watched us. She could see us. We are on the Argo. So we uh, we jumped off, and uh, he said, we're going to have to sneak through some woods, see how close we can get. And that's when we, we managed to get to about 315 yards away, and he said, she's looking right at us right now. We're not going to need any closer. And so I did have my shooting stick then, and, uh, and uh, I took her. And that's the guy who said, make sure you're sighted in for 300 yards. 
So some of the country over there, people who, who have been over there and the people who know it a lot know that some areas, you, definitely longer shots, other areas are, you know, not, not near as long. So. Now, now you mentioned uh, shooting stick. Uh, is that the mono one, just a straight up and down mono stick, or do you have the tripod legs? Uh, I got the bipod, so I got the two legs. Um, I probably should have got the three-legged one, but the two-legged one worked fine. It's funny, when I shot that moose, uh, the, the owner, that's the owner there, and his guide and a, and a young guy from Ontario were behind me. Um, he had got his bull the day before the young guy, so they came out, and they're right there. And, and the and the guy behind me yelled when I shot and hit it, it just stood there. And he said, you got that. And I said, I'm pretty sure I hit. I should have hit. He said, oh, no. He said, uh, he said, she doesn't even know she's hit. She doesn't know she's dying. And I've heard that before. People say that about moose. And uh, and then my uh, the owner said, you better hit her again. And uh, so I did. I took another shot. And then she went, she's at the top of a hill crest. And then she went on the other side. And I said, I wonder if we lost her, if I didn't get her. And we went up there and yeah, she was, she was dead. But it was funny when the guide said she's dead or dying. She doesn't even know it. And she's just kind of just standing there. But uh, yeah. That's yeah. It's not too often you hear that Gary with uh, normally uh, most shots on moose are, are down, right? So, yeah. Now this one here, if I can zoom in on it, is you after what one's this this uh this can't be the 15 pointer by the looks no the only reason i put that in, there's a couple of pictures that go with that uh that's that's my buddy there to hunt and fish with um that was our first moose hunt to uh to newfoundland in 2010 and uh, yeah first time we went moose the first time i actually shot a moose i've, I've been on moose hunts with my father at west but i hadn't pulled the trigger and uh, so i'd shot my cow before that and actually, it was the biggest cow I've shot was that year, the first year. And it was, it was bigger than the bulls that were coming, and she was big. But uh, finally, on, uh, on Wednesday, Ray uh, got a good opportunity, and his guy got him down on, onto a, a nice ball. I think it was about an eight-point ball, but it was a nice ball. And uh, that was around the middle 19th or 20th of October. Um, and uh, I'm not sure what... We're looking up at but maybe waiting for the uh maybe waiting for help to come or another rig yeah so that's his uh nice little bull he's uh all from the same outfitter gary you use the same outfitter all the time or do you he's he, he's always went to the same outfitter um okay. i i've been there now four times uh, last year was the last time i was there and last year I didn't get a I didn't get a moose. Didn't even see one. Well, I did see a cow, uh, and I could have got a shot at, but I only had a bull tag last year. And a lot of the combination was um, the weather was terrible that week, and most outfitters, guys, once around, they'll tell you the thing that will hurt you more than anything sometimes is the weather. And uh, yeah, and another guy from Quebec, him and his brother, they get they get their moose every year. He's a he's quite a hunter, and he never seen one the whole week. Um, now I did see a bull about six hundred and eighty yards away, and there's no yeah. way to try for that. Gary, do they offer a combo tag like uh, here in Nova, Nova Scotia or Cape Breton, uh, where it's a bull, cow, or calf, or is it strictly? Bull only, if that's the tag, or cow only, or calf only, or how's that uh, 
can't get a combination tag, I guess. Over this yeah, you, you can. What you can do is you can get, uh, usually if you go with a buddy, one person gets the uh, either sex. So you can shoot a bull or a cow. Okay. Um, the other guy will get a, uh, if you go together, the other guy will get a um, a bull only, but you can shoot a, you can shoot a calf with that. Okay. Yeah, you can. Now we wouldn't, and I had a bull only tag. If I'd seen a calf, I wouldn't have shot it. Um, but uh you know the other guys. There's there's two or three old guys. No, I'm old, I guess, but they were older than me, and they were they couldn't get around very well, and they were given an either sex tag, and they were lucky enough to uh, actually they they both saw no one guy saw a, a bull 29 yards away and got and the other guy got the cow. But um, yeah, no, I hunted hard, and uh, it was just it was just a bad week, and it's the way it goes, uh, and. I, one of them situations where it's a, a crapshoot with the dice, right? Uh, with the weather, obviously. Uh, yeah, now that's that's that first year. That's my cow, and that was a huge cow. Um, that we got that. Um, uh, I got uh, of that cow. I got actually. I thought, and I've never had an experience like this before. We were only forty-five minutes into our hunt, and we were heading. There's only the two of us, my buddy and I. Third week in. October and some guys from the States to cancel. So there's the owner and, and the guide. And so we're, the four of us are heading down this road. We we're 45 minutes away and we looked down and the guide looked over down through this, uh, into a valley in, in a bog and he saw a big cow and it was this cow. And so anyways, they stopped. We had a, a couple of bikes. He, they stopped them and uh, they ranged it and it was 415 yards. Wow. Um, yeah, so, but they uh, they said, my buddy, do you want to try it? And he said, I don't don't think. And they said, what about you? And I said, well, what's the odds we're going to see how many more moose? This is amazing, 45 minutes. He said, you know what? This may be the only moose you see, no guarantees. Mm -hmm. So so I said to my buddy who had a, a, a two weeks before he went over, we were at the uh, Jador rifle range, and uh, he's got a nice Seiko, uh, a Seiko or whatever, um, sub millimeter Remington mag, beautiful, nice optics on it, and everything else. And and I tried it out over there, and I said, Ray, I said, if I can, if I can borrow your rifle, I'll take a poke at it. And he said, Sure. So I just put rested on the bike, and I uh, and I pulled the trigger, and right away they both yelled to guiding them, give her to her again. And I went to shoot again, and I'm so used to my 300 lever action. I'm trying to throw another ship. <laughs> it's a bolt action. And uh, then by the time I finally get another one up, he said, she's going on her hind. And she went right back on her hind and went down. And uh, I said, how are we going to get that? Because it's just a steep, steep grade going down. And he said, we'll get it. And, you know, I'll give these guys credit over there. They We went back, had to go back to the camp and get an hour ago and, I think he used the chainsaw for a bit of it and beat a trail down all around it to the bog till he got to it and uh, and got it out. But that was that was my first moose and it was a lucky shot. I figured uh, I figure uh, east and west I was good, um, mm -hmm. right and left. Um, I, I I'm pretty sure I was good there. North and south elevation. I said you know he told me it's 415, so I I took a, a guess at where it should be after being sighted in for 100. Uh, but the but the grade was uh, was bad too, and I never took that into consideration. 
And it actually, when we, we couldn't find the name Ray, my buddy found where it hit, it went right through the heart. So it was very lucky shot because it was, I guessed that where it should be at 400 yards, but I didn't even take the elevation into account or anything. So it was, for, it was a lucky shot. And, uh, yeah, it's nice. It's a huge moose. Yeah, very lucky there with that one. Uh, let's see. I, I think we're getting close to the end of the photos here. Actually, that was the last photo, I believe, Gary. So I'll just spin through them here quickly. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, but as you can tell, I'm addicted to moose hunting. I, I mean, I like deer hunting too, I love it, but I'm addicted to moose hunting. I just love it. You know what? I would take moose any day over deer than over deer. Yeah, because the deer, deer is great, but you get that aftertaste, I find, with the fat and that on the deer, and it's uh, it's not so much the gamey taste, it's just that filmy when you eat it, uh residue i guess from the fat uh deer fat that kind of i'll eat it but it's that's my thing uh moose that's sort of moose it's it's easier to do a lot more with sausage making and, and drinking yeah. with moose than anything else it's uh it's one of them uh things where if you if you like that type of game meat well then you're hooked on it right and uh, the hunting nothing beats a moose on gary as you said well, I enjoy just I enjoy the hiking and and the uh, you know as long as I'm still able to go the way I can, I want to keep doing it. And uh, like I say, uh, it's, it's 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 better now because my son's working. He's uh, you know he's he's doing engineering work with a company. Actually, they're up in Greenwood all this week. But uh, so it's uh, you know gone are the uh, trying to get him through college and and uh, cars and everything else. So uh, you know I I. Uh, I'm not a smoker and I don't really drink. So, I mean, um, money goes into a, the Save the Moose Fund. You may as well put it where you enjoy spending it and uh, enjoy what you're doing, obviously. Uh, yeah. So with that, Gary, is there anything else uh, you've got there you want to close out with for final remarks or anything like that? No, not really. I appreciate that... Uh, you asked me to, to do this. I'm just think I'm just an ordinary hunter that uh, I guess the thing I got going for me now is that I'm retired so I can uh, do a lot more than what I was able to do before. I can get out, scout a lot. I'm out in the woods all the time doing whatever I can. Um, uh, I, I just think that we just need to somehow, if we, if we as hunters and, or outdoors people, whether it's uh, fishing, hunting, that if we have these differences, some, we, we've got to somehow, and I don't, I don't have the answer, find a way to, to come together to solve some of the differences. And, uh, you know, because uh, um, not that we shouldn't have differences, but maybe somehow, somewhere along the way, meet, meet somewhere in the middle. And for me, like I say, I'm not, you know, um, my three words now is it, doesn't matter and that's what i take with me everywhere i go because it really doesn't no matter what it is in life it doesn't matter you know so uh, anyways thanks jeff um i hope i was able to help a little bit on the muzzy uh, like i say i'm not you've got people like this bj nicholson who's a super expert as far as the ammo part of it goes and uh, so you got people who can really answer a lot of questions when it comes to to that type of hunting and again any Anybody like I asked you on, uh, you, uh, it, I, 
I've uh, I've known what you've done before in regards to muzzle loaders and firearms committee stuff uh, for uh, for other organizations and that. And, and to me, you were very well uh, versed on a lot of it, Gary. And uh, that was the reasoning behind asking you to, to come on the show and uh, discuss uh, the muzzle loader aspect. And, uh, and, and you don't have to be uh, a big uh, name person, obviously, to, uh, to come on the podcast. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's grassroots, obviously, and uh, it, it started at grassroots, and uh, we, we do have some big names, obviously, uh, Gary, yeah. uh, coming up uh, down the road here. And uh, I will be announcing that uh, further down uh, in, in the coming weeks, I guess, uh, and uh, what big names are going to appear on the show. Uh, uh, we've got one there that uh, has committed for a, a half hour of their time. Uh, I won't say if it's a she or a he, obviously, but uh, but it's uh, it's it's huge, and uh, we can't wait to, uh, to get them on the show and uh, have a few discussions. Uh, with that, uh, I believe later on this week, uh, I should have Amanda Mayhew on uh, discussing uh, her work in the outdoors and that and uh, mentoring uh, women and youth of all ages. So, so it's uh, like I said, it started with grassroots and uh, it's been slowly growing to the point where we've been getting more and more uh, big names that are willing to, to come on and have a discussion about uh, a number of hunting topics and uh, and for that, I appreciate it, and uh, as do our viewers, obviously. But uh, but uh, I'm the type of guy I don't forget where I came from, and uh, you got to start small in order to go big. Yeah. And, uh, if uh, if any insight that you've provided tonight has the, the effect on mentoring uh, somebody of any age to, to take up the sport, well, you know what? Kudos, uh, because they say, geez, I can do what Gary did, or I can do what Jeff did, or I can do what uh, Amanda Mayhew or Jim Shockey are doing down the road. I may be able to have a, a, a TV show. Who am I or who is anybody to say, no, you can't, right? So if uh, somebody has the drive to do it, kudos to them to make it happen. And uh, and it just shows with having uh, grassroots uh people there that enjoy the outdoors on because many people then can see it and say hey i can do what they're doing so so with that gary i appreciate you being on uh, coast to coast outdoors episode nine uh, uh for episode 10 uh if not a, i don't have it nailed down yet who's who's going to be on that one but uh stay tuned for future updates and, uh, and with that again gary i i appreciate you being on the show and uh I'm just going to roll the outro here and uh, I will, uh, uh, I'll just put you on hold here for a bit. And once I end the broadcast, I'll have a quick chat with you if that's okay. Okay, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you. So folks, once again, uh, uh, we had uh, Gary Geddes on talking about muzzle loaders and uh, what takes place in Nova Scotia with muzzle loaders, obviously. Uh, again, Coast to Coast Outdoors isn't just tailored to Nova Scotia. Uh, it just so happens that uh, a lot of people uh, so far have come from Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Newfoundland. Uh, in uh, the next future episodes, uh, we're hoping to have somebody from uh, Saskatchewan and Manitoba and British Columbia and Al excuse me, Alberta as well. And uh, tell us about what happens in your area. 
if you're if you have a talent there in the outdoors, uh, an outdoor business, and you want to try to get promoted there to grow some business, uh, coast to coast outdoors, uh, right across the board, uh, we're, we're willing to hear from you. Uh, if we have any knowledgeable people there uh, from uh, Quebec that are willing to, to come on, that seems to be a hard spot to locate anybody. Uh, but uh, again, uh, you don't have to just be uh, an outdoor hunter. You could be a, a, an outdoors uh, group as well. So uh, feel free, reach out, uh, shoot us a message there on Facebook, and uh, we will do our best to accommodate uh, Again, with that, uh, I appreciate everybody's time this evening, and this is uh, the end of episode nine. Enjoy your evening, folks.